As I say, Advent starts next week, and uh, we've been doing a program about uh, people in the Old Testament who prayed and saw things happen. And, um, and my, uh, my person I'm going to talk about today is one of my favorite kings of the Old Testament, and that is King Hezekiah. Have you heard of King Hezekiah? He's great. Now, a lot of the history of Israel is found in the book of Kings, especially if it's a king, but also in the book of Chronicles. And uh, it's like not quite a repeat, but it's both from slightly different perspectives. So I'll be looking at King Hezekiah from the book of Kings and also the book of Chronicles. And I'd encourage you to read the story. It's a fabulous story. Now, what we learn about Hezekiah He was from a long line of ungodly kings before and after him. His father was particularly bad, called King Ahaz. He promoted worshipping idols and not the living God at all. Hezekiah lived in Jerusalem and reigned over Judah from 715 to 686 BC. He was 25 when he began to reign, And he reigned for 29 years. Now Ahaz's father actually shut the temple down. Can you believe that? Solomon's temple that was built with with such amazing, it was a glorious temple. It It was just a wonderful place. But he was so into idolatry, he actually shut it down. He actually boarded it up. Can you believe that? And set up altars to his pagan god. The first thing Hezekiah did within the first month of his reign was to open up the temple again and get all the priests and the leaders to purify themselves, to purify the temple, get everything up and running again. He celebrated the Passover again, which had been ditched, But he he did it a month late because they weren't ready. There was so much preparation had to be done. The Bible says there was great joy in the city, none since the days of Solomon. Great joy in the city. He reinstated tithing and giving from the people. And listen to this. The Bible says Hezekiah sought the Lord wholeheartedly. Isn't that wonderful to have that said about you? He sought the Lord wholeheartedly. As a result, he was successful. And the people gave so much, they couldn't store it. They had to build more storehouses because once the people were encouraged to give, they just gave. They were joyful in heart. It was a wonderful time. He reinstated worship. But I just want to talk about three events that happened during Hezekiah's life and see what we can learn from them and what the Lord wants to say to us through them. Is that okay? Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for these people that lived a long time ago. Thank you that we can read about them. Thank you that we can learn about them. And thank you that you still speak today through their lives and through the activities that went on. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to speak to you about three things, quite short, I'm hoping for me. Number one, he sorted out the temple. 
Number two, he came under attack. And number three, he was faced with death. Now, I'd encourage you to read about Hezekiah because there's a lot in there. But these three main points, I really believe God wants to say something to us from these things. Number one, he sorted out the temple. And as I said to you before, the first thing he did when he became king at 25 was to get rid of all the junk in the temple. Now, the temple was full of junk because it says in the Bible... He, uh, he threw it, he gathered it all, and he threw it outside the city. It must have accumulated stuff that was unnecessary. And then he cleansed the temple ready for use. As I said before, his father had actually boarded it up. I find that just amazing that anyone would do that. He put everything right that was wrong. The very first thing he did when he became king, very first thing. And I remember when I first came to Christ, he straight away addressed the state of the temple, my temple. When I came to the Lord, the very first thing he did was look at my temple, my life, my spirit, my attitudes, my purity, my honesty, my lifestyle, my speech, my thought life, as well as sin. And I tell you now, it was extremely uncomfortable. As God addressed the state of your temple, you know when you first come to him, the first thing he'll do, just like Hezekiah, is he'll look at you and he'll start sorting out the junk that has accumulated in there. He'll start to get rid of stuff. He'll start to make you look at things that you thought was all right before. And you start to feel very uncomfortable. I don't know whether you remember that. But often people come to the Lord and say, oh, great abundant life. And then when God starts dealing with us, we think this doesn't feel like abundant life at all. Things I was happy with before, I'm not happy with anymore. I don't like the way I'm thinking. I don't like telling lies. I don't like being a bit dishonest. I'm all of a sudden, my conscience is awakened. It's the first thing he does. The junk and the tat and the wrong ideas and habits had to be removed, for me anyway. Sometimes God just took it away. I remember... Uh, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I, uh, I used to swear, uh, used to smoke, used to... Uh, my mind was a, a cesspit. And all of a sudden, I realized, I'm different. God started to do things for me and clear out the temple for me. But other things, he said, Susan... You need to sort that out. And God will do things straight away for your life. He'll, he will lift the burden of sin. There'll be a sense of forgiveness. There'll be a lightness. But he'll also say, sort out your temple. The temple had to be cleansed. 
cleansing. This is the word I feel God wants to say this morning. The temple had to be cleansed before it can be used. And sometimes we say, Lord, use me. I want to be used. You know, we're signing up for all these things because we want to serve and it's a wonderful thing. But sometimes when we come into another level, we say, Lord, I really want you to use me. He'll say, okay, well, what about that? And you go, what? Because he needs to cleanse the temple in order to use, to, in order for it to be used. He wants clean vessels. An important verse for me was from Isaiah 36. And it says this, a new heart will I give you a new spirit put within you. Do you know God can give you a new clean heart? Just struggle with purity. Just struggle with purity. With your thought life, with your heart. There's something you're just uncomfortable about. Your conscience is always there. Every time you do something, this purity issue comes up. You know God can give you a clean heart this morning. He can give you a clean heart. Start to ask him, Lord, will you make me clean from the inside? Not just the outside, the inside. Come and cleanse the temple. My heart was filthy, unclean and impure. And he gave me a new one. And I've never had issues since then. God did something. Purity will always trip you up. If you don't let God sort it out, even if you've been a Christian many years, if you don't sort out purity issues, it will trip you up all the time. Let God sort it out this morning. Amen. Is your temple clean? Is your temple cleansed? Once he cleansed it out, he instituted worship. He instituted the priests doing all their jobs, uh, doing the sacrifices, um, uh, the people came and gave, they tithed. It was a wonderful time. And it says there wasn't such joy since the time of Solomon. It was wonderful. He put right everything that was be, had been put wrong by his father. Do you need to put stuff right? Put it right. Amen. This Christmas, put stuff right that has been put wrong in your life. Amen. One, he sorted out the temple. Number two, he came under attack. Now, if you read about Hezekiah, there's such a lot. He, he was a military man. He was a king. He'd been trained in the military. And um, he had a real trust in God's power and ability and authority. And uh, if we can just put that scripture up from 2 Chronicles 32. He was, this king of Assyria was constantly, constantly um, setting himself up for an attack. He had conquered everybody, the king of Assyria. He had conquered all over the place. And he set his sights on Hezekiah. And Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, be strong and courageous. He said this to the people. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army, for there is a power far greater on our side. He might have a great army, but they are merely men. 
We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. Amen. What a godly man. It's funny we sang that song, didn't we? And I didn't plan that. Was, it was, uh, so when we fight, we fight on our knees with our hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. And this is what Hezekiah believed. He said, Lord, you will fight for us. I put you first in my life. But you know, Sennacherib of Assyria relentlessly taunted and mocked him. He sent, he sent people to speak to the people in their own language, to discourage them, constantly sending messages. I'm, and in Scouse terms, he says, you know what, Hezekiah, I'm going to batter you. I'm going to batter you. I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to don't trust in God. I'm going to bring you to nothing. And it was constant. It was relentless. It was intimidating. And this is what the enemy's like. Don't trust in God. Let's read from 2 Kings 19, verse 18. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? Verse 32, don't listen to Hezekiah when he tries to mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nations ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? 35, what god of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? How arrogant, insult upon insult. And this is the way the enemy does this. He chips away. He wants us to make uh, our faith in God. He wants to pull us down. He wants to doubt that God can ever rescue us from what's going on. The crucial part came when Hezekiah received a letter taunting and insulting, mocking his trust in God, intimidating him constantly. And let's just look at this because I, I want us to look about this letter. Uh, have I got 19? When King Hezekiah heard their report... He tore his clothes and put on burlap, that's like sackcloth, and went into the temple of the Lord, and he sent for Isaiah. I haven't got that scripture. Okay, verse 14. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim, you alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's word of defiance against the living God. So he'd had all this accusation, and he finally got a letter. And what did he do? He went into the temple. He called for Isaiah. And he, he spread this letter out before the Lord and prayed. Now, 
I don't know about you, but sometimes things can be said, but when we get them in writing, it seems to hit us more. You know, we can have, I'm thinking of perhaps doctors' things, they can ring us up, and then when we see the doctor's report, we might get a letter from the Home Office, where we've been expecting it, but when we see it in writing, we might have a letter from the bank, and when we see it in writing, we might have a solicitor's letter, we might get stuff, and when you actually see it written down, it hits you more. It might be a doctor's report you've had. And you've had this letter. And you think, what am I going to do? What did Hezekiah do? He went to the Lord's temple. And he spread it out before the Lord. You know, I've got a testimony really. Some years ago, there, were, there was a couple that came to the church. And they've moved now. They got a job in London. And they've, so they've, they've gone down to London. But uh, she, the wife, rang us up one day and she said, um, we knew actually she'd been having a terrible time at work. She'd had some accusations meant, um, against her, all unfounded. She'd had some terrible things said. She'd had uh, brought in to the bosses. People saying things that weren't remotely true. And it would have been really hard, a bit like Hezekiah, things said all the time, it was wearing her down. And then, crucially, she got a letter. She got a letter to say that there would be action taken, the bosses had believed all these things, and it was this awful letter. And she rang us up very distressed. And she said, I want to come down to the church building. I want you to stand with me. She said, and I just want to... She read this story and she came down to the building. We unlocked the building. We came, we prayed, and we sat on that front row. And she said, I believe the Lord just wants me to lay this letter before the Lord. And she, she got up on the stage. She laid this letter out. She got on her knees. I can see it now in my mind. She got on her knees before God. She wept. It was a terrible time in her life. She wept before God and prayed and laid this letter down on this very stage. And, um, and she got up and she said, I believe that's, that's all I can do, but I've done it, and I've left it in God's hands. We prayed together, and she went home. And sure enough, miraculously, everything was dropped. Everything was changed. The attitudes were changed. God stepped in for her, God fought her battles. God turned it all around. Praise God. It was a wonderful time. And this is what happened to Hezekiah. He said, he prayed that prayer that I've just read. He said, bend down and listen, O Lord. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. And you know, I want to tell you this that we worship a God who sees. There's a word, the names of God, you know we have names of God, Jehovah Jireh, there's a word for this and it's El Roy. El Roy, 
the God who sees. And whatever is happening in your life at the moment, whatever you, perhaps no one else sees it. Perhaps no one knows what's going on. Perhaps it's secret. Perhaps it's in your marriage that you can't share. Perhaps it's a, a letter you've had that is, you couldn't possibly, it's just too big. But you're not sleeping. You're not able to carry on your normal life. I'm telling you now, we worship a God who sees. Amen. He sees it all. He sees what's going on in another country, in Sierra Leone, in America. He sees in Hong Kong, in China. He sees what's going on. He sees what's happening in your home. We worship the God who sees. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, the God who sees, the God who hears. So let's hear what happens to Hezekiah. Uh, verse 20. Then Isaiah, we got it? Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have heard your prayer about King Sennacherib of Assyria, and the Lord has spoken this word against him. And this is what, verse 32, and this is what the Lord says about the king of Syria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march outside its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against its walls. Verse 33, the king will return to his own country by the same road on which he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord. Verse 34, for my own honor, and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Praise God, not a sword was raised, not a cannon was fired, not a shot. I don't think they had those weapons. Not one weapon was used. Because God fought for him. God fought for him. God won the battle on his behalf. Amen. Also, the king went back to Nineveh, and he was later killed by his own sons, Sennacherib. That's how he ended up. But the Lord fought for Hezekiah. Praise God. Hezekiah trusted in the God who sees and the God who hears. What do you do when you have an issue? Hezekiah went to the temple of the Lord and prayed. He, he called for the prophet Isaiah. He did everything he could. He attacked it spiritually. Often we just worry. We run and talk about stuff. We, 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 uh, we go to everybody except God. I'd encourage you, if you've got a letter or something's happening in your life, go to the Lord. Do what our friend did. Lay it out. You can even write it down if you like. Write down what's going on in your mind. Spread it out before the Lord and leave it with him. Say, Lord, will you fight for me? Will you fight for me like you fought for Hezekiah? Will you step in? Will you destroy my enemy? Like we sang before, we fight on our knees with our hands lifted, lifted high. That's what our friend did, and she saw God move on her behalf. Amen. We worship 
a God who sees. We have a jeering, mocking enemy who wants to put doubt in your mind and stop you trusting God and believing he can fight your battles and win on your behalf. Amen. Number one. What was number one? He sorted out the temple. Number two, he came under attack. And number three, and this is a very unusual thing, and I hope people don't mind me talking about it, but I feel I should. He was faced with death. If you know anything about Hezekiah, he received another shocking message from Isaiah. And I just want to read it to you. And I can't think of anyone else who's had a message from God like this in the Bible. 2 Kings, verse, chapter 20, I think, verse 1. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and I've served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Praise God. And that's exactly what happened. On this occasion, God granted his request and extended his life by 15 years. That Some people would say it was the bubonic plague. I don't know about that because that's very uh, infectious, isn't it? I don't know if one person can get it. But uh, that's what they suggest. And uh, um, they put uh, like a poultice of figs on his saw. And he got better. And it happened just as God had spoken. He had another 15 years. They weren't amazing 15 years, actually. He made quite a few mistakes. But nevertheless, God granted his request. Now, what does the Lord want to say to us through that? I said, Lord, why, what can I say about that? You know, it's not often that we have a message from God to say, set your affairs in order because you're going to die. How would, what would our reaction be if God spoke to us in this way? I don't know. It would be, it would be, yeah. Uh, but you know, I want to talk a little bit about eternal life and about heaven. You see, often we only see death from the perspective of those left behind. And I must say at this moment, our hearts go out to our dear friend we've prayed for, Sion. 
for Mike, who's lost his sister this week, and uh, the, uh, Phyllis, Hazel. There are people amongst us who are on the other side of uh, bereavement. They're the people who are left behind. They're the people who feel the separation and the loneliness and the sorrow. But I want to say this, death for the Christian is a wonderful thing. There's a hope of eternal life. Do you know that? Heaven is a wonderful place. Jesus talked about heaven all the time. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it only when we lose someone and then we're all sad. But the early church had a different perspective. People were thrown to the lions. They expected to be tortured and killed, a lot of them. And they had such an expectation of the resurrection. They had such a hope that, okay, the lions are there, but today I'll be with the Lord. Think about Stephen. Stephen was getting stoned, and, and by God's grace, he, he saw the Lord there. And he knew that within hours, he'd be with him. I want to say that for the Christian, death is just passing into this wonderful place called heaven. You know, uh, the New Testament says that we should comfort one another with these words. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are still alive will rise and meet the Lord in the air. The world is spending billions, some of these millionaires, on how to stay mortal. The, the, for them, there's nothing when their body dies. They're, they're trying this, is it cryosurgery and, you know, freezing themselves and because they think this is it. Not Botox, no. But I'll tell you the hope of a Christian, the hope of a Christian is there is a wonderful place that Jesus said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I'm going, you're coming after me. I've prepared rooms. The Bible talks about a city with a river, with fruit, with day, daytime all the time, where we face to face with the Lord Jesus. Paul says, I want to go, but I'm only staying for your sake. He wanted to go. He was just there because they, we all needed him here. We're called citizens of heaven. A heavenly homeland, Hebrew says. God has prepared a city. Hebrews also says this, Jesus set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Are you afraid to die? I'm sorry to say these things. It's not, not what you'd be talking about in church. But you know, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, it's just a step into forever. Not just the short life, forever. Without pain, without suffering, without tears. 
Bible says this, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Unless he comes tomorrow and we all meet him in the air. Wouldn't that be wonderful? The dead in Christ will rise first. So everyone who's dead there, they'll be. And we'll join them. And then we'll forever be with the Lord. Amen. Isn't that glorious? We shall be... I was listening to a song last night. There's a lady called Sandy Patty. If you ever want to listen to a song called We Shall Behold Him Face to Face in All His Glory. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I've gone ahead of you. There's a city there. There's a city waiting for us all. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you afraid of death? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? If so, there's everlasting life prepared for us. Amen. Let's just pray, shall we? I just want to pray three prayers. And I just want to ask you, first of all, you sorted out the temple. Have you thrown, got rid of all the tat? All the rubbish. Is your temple open for worship? Or does it need cleansing? Does it need washing with the blood of Jesus? Is your heart pure? Do you need the cleansing that comes from Jesus to wash away your sin, to change you? from darkness to light. Do you need a pure heart this morning? Lord, I just pray for anyone here who knows they need their heart pure, purified by you. They know they need a new clean heart. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you meet us this morning and wash away our sin. Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus. And you say, yes, I'm full of sin. My temple's boarded up. I've never used it. I need Jesus to wash me by his blood. Wash away my sin. Change me into a new person. Make me pure. Lord, would you make us pure? Would you clean our hearts and our minds? Would you get rid of the rubbish? Would you help me to address those things that have been there for years that I've never really addressed? Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit, the power of your spirit to change us, to make us like you, Lord. I just pray for those who are under attack at the moment, who are being intimidated by the enemy, who are constantly tired of fighting, 
Lord, I pray, would you fight for us, Lord? I pray for those who have issues, who have even do have letters, who are hearing things all the time that are dragging them down, the enemies, the intimidation, the worries of life. Lord, we pray, would you step in for us, Lord? The God who sees, the God who sees everything. I just feel the Lord saying now, there's, there's trouble in your family and you can't talk about it. But I just want to say, the God who sees and the God who hears, he knows might be with grandchildren or it might be with something going on but God sees and knows and he wants us to bring it to him not worry but bring it to him write it down if necessary and lay it before him Lord I pray you'd help us to fight to know how to attack the enemy to know how to refuse the enemy to know how to take authority in your name against the enemy that we wouldn't be constantly trodden on we wouldn't be victims all the time of the enemy's attacks but we would be warriors and we would be victors we would be victorious in your name Lord make us fighters make us victorious Give us strategies against the enemy, we pray. And Lord, I just pray for those who are perhaps scared of dying. Lord, I just thank you that you have gone ahead of us. And none of us know how we'll die. We might just wake up one morning when we're with you but I thank you Lord that you have prepared a place for us I thank you you've in my father's house are many rooms I go and prepare a place for you that where I am ye may be also thank you that you're there waiting for us Lord Thank you for the city of God. Thank you for the new Jerusalem. Thank you for the streets, for the river of life. Thank you for the place where there's no night, where there's no pain, where there's no suffering. Lord, what a glorious place to be in. And we will be there and we will behold you face to face in all your glory, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you. I pray for anyone who doesn't know you today, that they will put their hands into your hands and say, Lord, come into my life that I might know eternal life. And Lord, we just pray for one another. We just thank you for who you are. And I just pray for Christmas this year, Lord, that it would be a peaceful Christmas. It would be a joyful Christmas. Lord, thank you that you came to this earth. You accomplished what you came to do. And now you've gone ahead of us and you're waiting for us to join you. In Jesus' name we pray.
We thank you for yourself. Amen. Amen.